This is Marty Shupak from Shupak Sports and the Youth Sports Club. And we are also sponsored by T-Ball America, of which I am uh, part owner, full disclosure. I want to welcome all you parents and or T-Ball coaches, league commissioners, league presidents to this podcast. And we're going to be talking about uh, T-Ball and uh, right now, I just want to mention that uh, I've gotten some great feedback and uh, people are asking my new book, T-Ball Drills, is, can now be ordered. Uh, they're taking pre-orders on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And the book, again, is called T-Ball Drills, Not to Be Mistaken by T-Ball Skills and Drills. Anyway, today I want to talk about possible changes that I think might help the game of T-Ball. And I just, this past week, I spoke to a former, um, I guess he was the section administrator, and he was telling me how the different little leagues around our county are having such problems because they're uh, not only competing with lacrosse and soccer and video games, but uh, travel baseball is just knocking the heck out of little league in our area. And... Registration is down all over. A few years ago in T-Ball, there was an upward tick. But according to this uh, gentleman, he says it's back down again. So it, it is an issue. If you love baseball, like I love baseball, I'm a little concerned about what's going to happen in the future. Are we going to have enough players to be playing um, youth baseball? And I maintain that. One of the best things we could do is build a foundation. You know, if you build a house, if you build an apartment building in, in New York City, of which I'm right near, you know, the foundation is everything. And if, if you're going to teach these kids T-ball the correct way, make it a positive experience, have them excited to go to practices, have them excited to uh, practice at home with their mother or father, or older brother or sister, have them excited to come back the next year. Then we're doing a good job. Anything less, we're really not succeeding. And we have to put these kids in the best position to succeed. This is the only way it's going to work. Now, as far as a few of the changes I, I would recommend, um, first off, I would, I would start the season with softer balls, and they could be bigger, and that's another change I would make. I'll get to that in a second. <clears throat> and I would say this, that I, for the, if you have, let's say, a 12-game season, for the first three or four games, I would not use gloves. I don't want the kids dependent upon gloves in T-ball. I've written and spoken about it before, how some of the people that show up with uh, tea, gloves for T-ball come in with these pancake gloves that if they go to a big box store there'll be a sign in the toy department that says official T-ball glove as far as I know there is no official T-ball glove so in my area we have a lot of people that um, come in from uh, other countries they're immigrants and they want to do best by their kids they don't know any better so their first kids in the household that want to play t-ball, they, they'll go to the, one of the big box stores and they'll see a sign, official t-ball glove. Uh, okay, 
But if the kids do have the correct glove, I still don't want them counting on the glove to make the catch and not the person. Let me explain this. I found that a lot of young kids playing baseball above T-ball, they don't move their legs enough. They'll stick out their arm with the glove on it and expect the ball to go into it. I think that if T-ball started the first uh, 20% of the games or 25% of the games and played it without gloves, I think it would help in the long run. run. After that, of course, they could use their gloves. Uh, we all know if you're a baseball purist, there's a sort of a, um, a, um, a, a, a love sort of a thing with, a player has with his glove. So we definitely want the players to use their glove, but I just want to delay it a little bit. That's change number one. The second change I would do in T-ball is I would make every base 20% bigger, make it easier for the player to uh, run to the base, and make it easier for the fielder to get in and out if they're able to get in and out. I would also use drop-down bases. Okay. I don't want to use the regular bases. I just think they can be hazardous. And why even take a chance? Let's start the kids with the drop-down bases. Let's make them bigger than they normally are. Uh, I mentioned the, um, the softer ball, but I, I would also use bigger balls. This is the third change I would make the first quarter of the season. Give the kids a chance to uh, be put in a position to succeed. We want everyone to hit the ball when it's on the tee. Some kids obviously are better than others, but we want to try to give the weaker kids just as good a chance as the better kids. The other change I would make, I would, you know, you really can't make it a rule, but I would really recommend and, and encourage if you're running a T-ball team, you have 12 players on the team, and let's say you play three innings. If you bat 1 to 12, try to switch it up and bat 12 to 1 the second inning, and then you can go back and bat 1 to 12 the third inning. And I'm assuming that uh, your league, like our local league here does, they bat through the order. It doesn't matter how many outs they get. They just bat through the order. The reason I like to reverse the order 12 to 1s, because if you have the 11th or 12th player up and they get on base, after the 12th player is up, all of a sudden, you know, it, coaches will yell out, okay, switch this team out in the field, this team at bat. So what that is doing is you are sort of uh, cutting off the, the 11th, and could be the 11th, but especially the 12th player in the batting order, his experience on the base paths. You want to have all the players have as much experience as they can hitting, fielding, and running the bases. So the 12th player, if he's up and he gets a hit, he's at first base, all of a, then all of a sudden the sides are retired. He has no chance to run to second, run to third, and run to home again, or, or the first time, unless he, he's up and he hits a uh, triple or a home run. So I would encourage coaches in the second inning to reverse the order, okay? So those are the four changes I would kind of recommend. 
If you said to me, well, you know, they're doing it already in our league. They're doing, they're, they're making the bases uh, bigger. They're only using drop-down bases. They're using uh, softer balls. They're using no gloves for a couple of innings. And I say, great, but I know not everyone's doing it. And I think uh, if you're doing it, you're thinking outside the box, you're ahead of the curve. I think other leagues should consider that. Uh, I want to go over a couple of um, off-field tips uh, for T-ball. And I've done these tips not just for T-ball, but for older players too. And, um, you know, when I run my baseball coaching clinic around the country, I have a section where I go over like a parents' meeting. And I just want to mention that a lot of the coaches that attend the meeting, they have no interest in sitting through 15 minutes of me going over what what coaches should address with the parents at the parents' meeting. And I'll just give you one example that happened one year where I would run this clinic or these clinics, and I always... Uh, want to get feedback. So at the end, I, I hand out a paper and I get feedback. Almost unanimously, the the largest complaint was, you know, it was a great clinic, but I wish uh, Coach Marty didn't spend so much time going over the parents' meeting and spent more time going over the bunting and the first and third offense and defensive situations. In the one year I remember in particular, I got a note from a guy in South Jersey. This is about six months after the clinic, after his season was over. And I'm paraphrasing, but in essence, the letter sort of said something like this. Dear Coach Marty, I attended your clinic back in January. I thought it was excellent. And I, I left and I was really bored at the uh, time you put in with the parents meeting. I didn't pay much attention. And I got to tell you, it's the last time I ever tried to run a team without a parents meeting. I just went through the uh, season from hell with my parents. And if I had listened to you and, and established some rules, it would have been a, a, a lot easier of a season. And I'm not saying, and I tell, I tell people this at the clinic, look, if you have a parents meeting, you're not going to cut out all the complaints but I promise anywhere from 40 to 60% of the complaints are going to be cut out. And when I tell parents at the parents' meeting, I say, look, one of the things I ask is if you have a complaint, I don't take complaints for the first five games. And there's a couple of reasons why I do this. Um, first of all, I just don't want to hear it that early in the season. And second of all, Parents might have a complaint after the first or second game, but it might straighten, its, straighten itself out by the fifth game. So when they might have called me, I'm kind of delaying it. I don't have to go home and have a slew of phone calls I have to return. You do it any way you want. That's the way I did it and it worked for me. As far as the, and I kind of went off a tangent, but the two off-the-field tips I want to go over is in T-ball. I like to have what's called a no-cell-phone no day or no cell phone game. And I tell parents, and I get the other coach to tell their parents, no cell phones are going to be allowed on the field. You have to leave it in your car. If you're in some sort of business or you're a lawyer and you're always on call, between innings, run back to your car, take a look at it, but don't bring your cell phones there. 
too many times during games, and I know cell phones are an asset because of the picture function in them, and, you know, parents, of course, are entitled to take pictures, but too many times during games, parents are just too much caught up. What's going on in their uh, social media and in the cell phone and texting where they should be watching their own kids? So I'm kind of adamant about that. You can't have parents, you can't tell them you can't bring cell phones to games. I mean, if you could, if you want to try that, good luck. I don't think you can. But um, try to have one or two games a year and set it up with another coach. No cell phones on the field. The second thing I want to mention, an off-the-field tip, and I tried it, I think my second year, I did it every year after that. At the parents' meeting, I announced that we're going to have a, a team newsletter, and I need a volunteer to write it, to self-publish it, and to send it out uh, to the parents. And I've never had a season where I didn't have someone volunteer for this. And I tell them right off the bat, look, if the season's 12 weeks long, you're going to write three newsletters. That's it. I'm going to give you the, some of the stipulations I want within a newsletter. But after that, basically, it's up to you. And I always get someone who's um, enthusiastic about writing it. Now, as far as the stipulations, this is what I tell them to do. I say, look, uh, we're going to wait for like a third of the season's over. You're going to review each game. Uh, we don't really keep scoring T-ball. So you don't have to write a score. You could write like the Blue Hens were very strong and they played very, very close to the Rockets. Every newsletter, every player's name has to be mentioned at least once. Okay? So if they're going to play, let's say, four games, you're going to write the first newsletter, there has to be stuff in there that you can mention someone's name. And if it's a weak player that doesn't do anything, doesn't hit a ball or whatever, you could still say Johnny's backup in the outfield saved a couple of runs. You could stick something in there and always mention their last name. The other requirement stipulation I tell the person with the newsletter, we're not going to make it an e-newsletter, like an email. I want it to be a hard copy, and... I want it to either be handed out at the game. You have to make sure each parent gets two copies. And the reason I do this is one of the things you'll find is the grandparents of these kids love reading about the grandchildren. I've been to some of these retirement communities in Florida and in Arizona and even Nevada, and I'm telling you, these retired parents, they love to show other grandparents their grandchild's name in a newsletter. Whether it's sports, whether it's um, some sort of play, school function or play, or they got a new belt in karate. So you want to make a hard copy. You want to mention every player's name in every issue. Again, you're only going to put out three issues. One third of the season, the second third, and the last one's the final third, and, and probably a yearly review. And it doesn't take that long. Do it. It works. The parents love it. The kids love it. 
and the grandparents will be your biggest fans. Now, as far as drills um, and all these drills, again, you could look at them in the new book, T-Ball Drills, not to be mistaken for T-Ball Skills and Drills at the previous book I wrote. And if it's not in your budget, like all my items, don't go out and buy it. Just tell your library you want to get it. They'll get it for you. Um, if you uh, have some of these uh, Amazon programs on a Kindle, I think it's going to be for free when it comes out. All right, one drill is this. I, I invented a drill called, I was looking for different items that kids could have a catch with, whether it's a bean, bean bag, a, a ball of yarn or whatever. And I came up with just rolling up a newspaper or two newspapers together and having a catch. You could stand like so close, like six feet away with your son or daughter and have a catch. And what you'll see is <clears throat> young kids in T-ball, they want things that are non-threatening. By this I mean, and I've always said this and you've heard it before, the worst thing we could do is have T-ball kids at the first practice have a catch with a hardball. The things that kids are most afraid of it are two, two things, getting hurt and being embarrassed in front of their peers. When you use the roll-up newspaper, it's such a non-threatening threatening item, it's laughable. You could use it at home. I highly recommend it. I've done it on the field. I've done it as far as playing catch with kids. I've done it as far as hitting the newspaper. When you do have a catch, when you hit the newspaper, if you hit it with a bat, you'll find that it will separate a little bit. I have actually rolled up two newspapers together, and that seems the extra added weight seems to work better. Of course, we're in an age where newspapers are, are going to be extinct, like dinosaurs eventually, but it's a good, it's really a, a, a good way of um, having a catch with a, with a young player. Five or six year old. Uh, another drill I would recommend is something called the Mr. T drill. That means you're going to, instead of having the player hit the T, they're going to miss it. What I do is try to picture this you have a batting T. You have no balls on the T. Then I take a plastic bat. At the end of it, I hang a rope. The reason I use a bat is because they're, they're going to be swinging a t-ball bat. I want to have myself further enough away where I'm not going to get hit. And I hang the rope over the batting tee, and I have it with a space, let's say, 12 inches. And I have the player hit it, and I, oh, I'm sorry, swing the bat. I'm saying you're not allowed to hit the tee. You're not allowed to hit the rope. So they're focusing. And then I lower the bat. So in essence, I'm lowering the space to, let's say, to six inches. And they really have to focus. And you've got to keep lowering it. This is such a simple exercise, and it works very well. It keeps the players engaged and focused. And it's something you could do at home. Again, I just take a plastic wiffle ball bat and tie a rope to the end. And that's all you have to do. You could spend like two, three minutes doing it. The last drill is something I call it the turn drill. I've done it with my older teams, my 10, 11, and 12-year-old teams, but in t-ball, I, I keep it to a ground ball. So I have a player with his back to me, and I'm about 10, 15 feet away, 
and I'll throw a ground ball to him, and I'll yell turn, and he's got to turn, he's got to locate where the ball is, and he's got to stop it or catch it. You can't let it get by him. Now, what's good about this drill is you have different T-ball players with different abilities, and you can really manipulate this drill to the ability of the player by calling out turn either early or late. You call it early for the weaker kid so they have time to turn around and pick it up. If the kid is more athletic, let's say he's returning from the year before, you might want to wait before you yell turn and you're going to challenge him. It's a good drill. Again, I like to emphasize to the players, you don't necessarily have to catch the ball. Just stop it and keep it in front of you. And what we're doing is we're conditioning T-ball players for when they get older, that you could still make a play on a ground ball that's stopped and not caught clean, cleanly, and or even a line drive. You don't want to have a player give up on the ball. Again, uh, the book is T-Ball Drills. Uh, another book I would recommend is um, Baseball Coaching, A Guide for the Youth Coach and Parent. A video I'd recommend is the 59-minute baseball practice. Also, backyard baseball drills. I would also recommend, I have a video I made a number of years ago, years ago called T-Ball Skills and Drills. It's very, very good. has some great creative stuff. A good example is I created a drill called the uh, Recycle Bin Drill. I take a recycle bin. I take out all the dangerous materials. I go over it. I had my assistant coach go over it, and basically I'm using like plastic items like a, a, a container of Joy, or I stay away from bleach, or anything else plastic, and I'll set up a toss drill, tossing this up, and I'll use the recycle bin. Kids love this. They laugh. They're smiling because they see these same bins in their garage. Try it. But um, look at that video uh uh, baseball, uh, T-ball skills and drills. It's free on Amazon Prime. It's free through your library through two programs, Canopy and also Hoopla. Hoopla is much better because they, they carry more of my things. Again, any of the books, just ask your librarian for it. For Shoepack Sports, this has been Marty Shoepack, again for the Youth Sports Club and T-ball America. Until next time, Yours in baseball.